and welcome to another episode of Donnie Brooken with your hosts Kevin and Mike. Uh, you may uh, recognize that song that we just played for the intro. That is the Warriors Code by the Dropkick Murphys. Good old Dropkick Murphys. The reason we're playing uh, that song is, uh, of course, uh, because of Paul Byron and uh, and the code in hockey. Uh, I think it's it's the perfect segue to talk about what just happened there because uh, there was an unfortunate event that, that occurred and I'll let uh, Kevin explain because uh, he, he's intimately familiar with this uh, but, but essentially uh, Paul Byron uh, answered the bell uh, he, he, he answered gets back call. he, answer, answered, he the answered the call it's, it's part of the game in, in which that he is expected to fight for a situation that already occurred in the past uh, Kevin, you want to take this away and explain to our listeners what exactly happened here and, and what your thoughts are on the issue? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, we're, we're all pretty aware of what happened in the uh, the first game between Montreal and uh, and Columbus. Oh, no, sorry, not Columbus. Florida? Florida. Panthers, my mistake. Um, where, no, it wasn't even the first game. It was the second game of the season, I believe. And uh, Paul Byron went in to hit, um, went in to hit Uyghur and... It, obviously, he did leave his feet a little bit. Um, he got suspended three games for a headshot. Leaguer was out uh, with a concussion. Paul Byron, obviously, the player that he is, he's not known for being a dirty player or for being a guy that is uh, that takes an unintentional runs at uh, at additional players, especially being listed at five foot nine, one hundred and sixty pounds. Who are you really going to injure? Yeah, he's the not NHL? the type of player that's going to go around headhunting. Uh, he, he's never really been that player. He's He's a quality guy that, uh, yeah. you know, he puts up points, he scores, he tries hard. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's like a really skinny grinder. Yeah. I, like, I like to look yeah. at it. But, you know, he, uh, and again, he was suspended those three games. He apologized right after. Again, was never his intention to hurt him. You know, you would think that, okay, it's water under the bridge. He served his time, whatever. The next time they, they played each other, uh, both Weger and Weaver, I believe, uh, missed the game. Or at least maybe Byron missed the game. Um, so, which led to their final engagement or the final game of the season between Montreal and Florida, and um, you know, based on the code in hockey, Weger asked Byron if he wanted to fight. Now, um, you know, for those who don't know or haven't seen, I'm sure everyone has seen it. Where, uh, you know, Weger's a big dude, six foot three, somewhere around there, two hundred and some odd pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we already talked about Byron, five foot nine, one hundred and sixty pounds on a good day. Uh, you know, he accepted the challenge, and um, you know, I, I don't think again, it doesn't, it did not look like Uyghur was out to injure Byron. It's, it's not a knock on him. Uh, Byron did accept the fight, you know, so it, it is part of the game. Um, again, and now talking about, we, we did have uh, Byron's agent, JP Barry, come out after the game and say, you know, how is this a code? Blah 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 blah, and you know, kind of went on to reiterate how much. Smaller Byron is. Why would he? Why would Weger do this? He was, I, it, it almost felt like JP Barry was trying to lay the blame a little bit on Weger, and I, I don't. I do not see it that way at all. Uh, Weger did come out and say, you know, had Byron refused, I would have just left it at that. But you know, being you know being these athletes, being who these guys are, nobody wants to back down and seem weak. And you know, hats off to Byron. I really hope for he he's not injured badly. And you know. Seeing Uyghur's reaction afterwards, right? Like when he saw the replay on the on the jumbotron of him hitting Byron and him just wobbling right afterwards. Like nobody wants to see that in, in any hockey game. Of course. Uh, you, you saw Uyghur. Uyghur was obviously upset too with himself. Um, he, he and he came out and said afterwards, you know, that was not his intention. And I again firmly believe him. I have no ill will, even as a Habs fan, towards Uyghur. Yeah. It is what it is to me. At the end of the day, 
Byron has to accept the responsibility of his actions, and and you know, all his teammates seem to understand that. Right? Like nobody went out afterwards to head on Uyghur or take out the take out somebody else in Florida. It's it is part of hockey. Now it, it now raises the question of should it be? Should it be right? And I, I can understand if if Byron wasn't penalized on the play, if if it's an, also a guy that has a history of dirty hits, you know, like it, it, then I think the code should remain, but. In this instance, you had Byron already served a three-game suspension. You know, he's already paid his dues, he's, he, and, he, and he publicly apologized yep. for hurting him. And right? now he's out for more games, so it's like he's getting punished twice for exactly. the same infraction. Exactly. And it just doesn't seem right. It, it seems, uh, as you mentioned, Uyghur probably thought that he had to challenge him. He, he had to go after him because that's just what you do. That is the expectation on the player after getting, in a situation like that, getting hurt by another player. There's got to be some sort of retaliation, and then you know you get in your fight, and then you have a, a tussle. You go your separate ways, and everything's cool. But in this case, it wasn't because Byron got hurt. Yeah. So now both players uh, get hurt in separate incidents. It just seems entirely unnecessary and yes. completely avoidable. Exactly, and and you know even even from Uyghur's standpoint, like as you know as as a player that's you know that towers over a guy that hits you. Like again, I understand why you challenged him, but it also raises the question of why would you even challenge him? Right, like you know, it's a fight you're gonna win. Yeah. Right, like to me, it almost felt like a schoolyard bully picking on the nerdiest kid in the class. Yeah. Like, how is this an even fight? Right, like, or like, you know, as you remember the uh, in in the Simpsons, uh, Frederick Tatum versus Moses Lack. That <laughs> one scene where they're <laughs> the yeah, fan <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, not even at that point, but there's a point where there's a brawl that breaks out, and somehow Moses ended up fighting Frederick Tatum yeah. for some reason. <laughs> but that's what it kind of felt like, right? Yeah, like yeah. to a certain degree. <laughs> Um, I, again, I, I, I'm again not blaming Uyghur for for whatever he said. Again, this is part of hockey. You know, this is why we love the game. I I still enjoy fights in the game. These scripted fights or things like this, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. I do like how it's moved away from fewer fighting, which is great. But the occasional fisticuff to me is required in hockey. I, you yeah, I, I still appreciate the the passion of, of players. If uh, if there's an intense situation in a game and things get heated, then I think we all uh, enjoy those types of scenarios. You just, yeah, you hate the staged fights. I, I don't think those have a place in hockey. Uh, I, I want to see, I want to see the best possible skill uh, in a lineup from top to bottom as possible. I don't want to see a fourth line made up of three muckers that are just going to throw their weight right. around and that's yeah. it. Like that's all they have to contribute to a game. Yeah, that's not the way the league is anymore. Exactly. I want, I want skill. Yeah, and you can't, you can't run a team like that anymore. That's yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. If and that's do, why Peter Shirelli no longer has a job. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was because of the Milan Lucic contract, but yeah. okay. <laughs> exactly. My point. My point exactly. But <laughs> can't, be, can't be signing those guys. But but well, you can, but not for the value or not yeah. for the term and value that he signed Lucic. Yeah. I, I again, I get, I understand that yeah. you have, you know, the next best player, you know, future player in the league in Connor McDavid. You want to make sure that you have a deterrent on your team that nobody takes a run at him, right? I, I so. just don't think that that... I, I agree that that used to be a thing. Yeah. I don't think it is anymore. Uh, I really don't think that people are going around and targeting superstar players to right. try to take them out. I just... One, there just aren't really any goons in the league anymore, so you don't have anybody to do that. So there's no need for a deterrent. Like, if, if no one's employing these goons, why why employ anti-goons? That is true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Mutually assured, assured destruction is, uh, is no longer on the table. Or you have a guy like um, 
uh, Ryan Reeves, yeah. who is when he was on again when they uh, when he was on Pittsburgh, yeah. um, he was there to help protect Co- um, Sidney Crosby because he did have some concussion issues. He was brought in for a reason, but Ryan Reeves could also play hockey, right? And so then when he but to a certain bit. degree, to yeah. a certain, but he's not just a goo, right? Like I mean, unless you have guys like again, um, <coughs> your Matt Martins. You know who's you know like to me he seems like your prototypical goon that's just out there to fight. Although he can again, he can play a little bit of hockey, right? To a certain a, a little bit. A I, little I think, bit. I think that's the exact type of player that I that I'm happy is no longer on the Leafs. And I, I think Matt Martin's a great guy, uh, but I, I'm I'm not upset that he's no longer here because he wasn't. He wasn't bringing any extra elements to the Leafs that they needed. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's people out there that would disagree with that. I'm sure there's traditionalists that really enjoy that type of part of the game. And that's fine. You're welcome to enjoy whatever you want to enjoy. I'm not going to detract from that or say that you're wrong, but, uh, but you are. <laughs> you are I concur. <laughs> no, for, for me, it's just I just want to see skill. I want to see... Uh, I want to see a Paul Byron on the fourth line. I, I don't want to see a guy that's going to put up three points over the course of the year and get 200 penalty minutes. Yeah. That, to me, is not hockey. That It's just not It's not needed anymore. The game has moved away from the 80s and 90s when people were just bashing each other's faces in. Bob Probert is no longer in the league. You don't have guys like that. And, and even you know, even to that point... Probert had skill. I mean, he, uh, he did. Yeah. He did, yeah. Wendell Clark, like guys like that, too. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Even, even Ty Domi. I don't. Right. He also had skill. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. just a pure goon. Exactly. But you know, going back to the point of you know those fourth line players with two hundred penalty minutes, even in a league like that, if you had that guy on your team, he would be. He's more of a punishment on your team on its own, just by making your team shorthanded exactly. that many times. So again, teams are smart. They know they don't need it. It's and so you know you see the Milan Lucic who really can't play hockey anymore, um, at least not on Edmonton. But you know you're you, you're really starting to see that those types of players are really. Far and gone from the league. It's they're just not part of it. Yeah. So. No, for sure. Okay, so let's move on because it's March 29th as we're recording this episode, and last night was one of the, if not the most important games of the season for Montreal and for Columbus, who they were facing. Uh, unfortunately, the Habs didn't get the result that they were hoping for. They ended up losing six to two. Uh, Kevin, take us through this game. What what happened and what was at stake here? So, I mean, really everything was at stake here. I mean, Montreal's season is not done yet, but this, you know, this loss, uh, I believe their chances of making the playoffs now are somewhere around 26%. So it's, you know, it's obviously put a, a little bit of a damper on the team. Um, but, you know, Montreal's proven to be a pretty resilient team over the course of the year. Uh, you, they, uh, to me, like, they can't focus on this one loss and be like, okay, we're done, because... You still have some games to play. Anything could happen. Yep. You know, the good the good thing about last night was uh, Carolina also lost. So the race for those two wildcard spots are still between Carolina, Columbus, and Montreal. Yeah, it's so not done yet. It's not done yet. So Montreal's just got to move ahead. In terms of what happened in the game, you know, Montreal came out flying. You know, I started watching the game, and I was thrilled with how well they were playing, especially that first period. Uh, I believe they kept Columbus off the... They had one shot up through 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's about as good as a start as you would ever hope to get against a team that's directly chasing you absolutely. Uh, in the standings. Uh, absolutely. They, they were very good. Uh, unfortunately, second period comes around, the wheels start to fall off. Yeah, and, and you know, after after Columbus, you know, scored, uh, so when Montreal was up 2-1, to one, off of a fluky goal by Jeff Petrie. Again, it was a really funny goal because I saw Bravofsky kind of flop in the net, and I'm like... 
this guy just twists his knee. Like, the way he kind of felt, I kind yeah. of thought, I'm like, did this guy just injure himself? But I'm like, okay, no. He, but after that, Bobrovsky was great. He was yeah. solid. Um, and then, you know, the wheels just fell off the bus with Montreal. And you started to see in, uh, the emotion on some players. Dolby especially was kind of going after some guys, mm-hmm. chirping, trying to pick a fight. But, you know, the announcers were right. And it's like, it's now's the time to channel that energy into something positive. And, again, with, with a young team that's learning... It's a progress. It's a progression, right? And Domi didn't do anything stupid. He didn't take any dumb penalties, yeah. uh, which was good. But Montreal got away from their game afterwards, and it ju- they just seemed a little bit lost out there. And this is the first time in a long time where they've kind of felt like, I guess things were running away from them. They didn't know how to handle that. Now, I I really saw this game again personally as a learning experience for the team. To me, they need to see or at least take this and know. It was like a playoff game. And I'm not saying they're not ready for the playoffs because I mean to me they've they've overexceeded my expectations in the year. I would say they've overexceeded anyone's expectations. Yeah. Like, people did not expect that the Habs were going to be a good team this year. So the fact that they're still in the playoff conversation at this point of the season, 78 games in, that's a testament to their abilities. I, that's that's really more than anyone expected, and I think you have to give them some credit for that. Yeah. No. Exactly. And, and to me, again, like even if they don't make the playoffs this year, like they. You, you, the team needs to look at this as like, you know, like nobody likes moral victories. I know I get that. But again, from what everyone expected from them, from, I, I mean, having an 18 year old, you, you know, Kakanaimi playing, yeah. or Kaplan Kanaimi, uh, <laughs> playing, you know, playing his first full year yep. in the NHL as an 18 year old. Like, it's, it, again, you're, you're he looks it, He looks pretty poised out there. He looks poised out there, but he also yeah. seen it is starting to take a toll on him, right? Yeah. As an 18 year old playing in a man's league. He's obviously at the start of the season. Much more explosive, dynamic. You know, it was nice seeing Montreal after they had that break. Kakanami came out of the gates like on fire. Mm-hmm. But again, it's 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 taking a toll. And this team is like one of the youngest in the league, and I think people tend to forget that, like how young this team is. And so, you know, like a, like you know, kind of goes back to the point of use this as a learning experience. You know, there's Montreal's not in a window where they're going to be contending anytime soon. Could they make some noise in the playoffs if they make it? Yeah, they can. Any team can, in my personal opinion. That's the way it goes in the playoffs, right? It's, yeah. it's, an, it's a grab bag. You remember uh, uh, a few years back when LA won, they were the 8th seed. Exactly. It's not impossible, although this year going up against Tampa is going to be a Herculean t- a challenge because uh, you look at their – their record speaks for itself. It's incredible. They're on pace for a historic campaign. They might get 130 points, which I think only three teams have done – in the modern era, that is uh, that's absurd. Uh, they are almost a perfect team. Uh, and uh, someone someone released stats uh, in the last day uh, that said that they're 9-0-0 against the teams that are most likely to get uh, seeded with them in the second wild card, which is Montreal, Carolina, and Columbus. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a tough slog. Whoever ends up, uh, if it's Montreal, Carolina, or Columbus, whichever of those three teams uh, has to face the Lightning, it's just not going to be an easy task. But as you said, anything can happen. It's the playoffs. Uh, the best team doesn't always win. In fact, the best team almost uh, never wins. never. Yeah. I wouldn't say never, but well, the odds are definitely against them. Exactly. Uh, you've got maybe, uh, I think the Lightning are a 25% favorite to win the Cup this year, uh, just based on odds, right? Like really? based, based on odds, 25%, which means that 75% of the time, they're, they're not going to win. Well. Just if you look at, uh, take the last 40 years of uh, President's Trophy winners... 
how many times has the President's Trophy, like how many times has Washington won the President's Trophy and not won the Cup? Exactly. Besides last yeah. year when they actually won, but they didn't win the President's Trophy. But they also won the President's Trophy. And every yeah. year that they made the playoffs as a President's Trophy, always got eliminated. Exactly. Right? Yeah, the Vancouver Canucks, same thing. They, yep. they won the President's Trophy the year that uh, they made it to the finals against Boston, didn't win the Cup. Anything can happen. So I think the Habs have to, to keep that in the back of their mind as they... Uh, as they go through these these last four games, one of which is going to be against Tampa, so that's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, you'll sort of see uh, what they're made of and how they respond to a team like Tampa. Uh, last four games are a murderer's row for, for the Habs. So I, I do feel for them because it's not going to be easy. Uh, they've got uh, Winnipeg coming up. They've got Tampa. They've got Washington. And then the season finale, of course, against the Leafs, which is always going to be amazing. Kevin and I are going to be watching that game live yes. from Kilgore's. Kilgore's. <laughs> Come and join us. You're in Toronto. <laughs> yes. For those of you that don't know, Kilgore's is a, is a Habs-friendly bar. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> You're stepping into the lion's den, my friend. I will, be, I will be repping the Leafs hard. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Hey. The month, all, all, and the, the fun thing about Kilgore's is, you know, it's, it's great because they actually broadcast the game in French, which is That's fun. Cool. You know, yeah. again, just that little bit of a Montreal feel for everybody yeah. who hasn't been there, who is a Habs fan, highly recommend you check it out. It's a really cool spot. A lot of old memorabilia from the Montreal Forum. Uh, the food is great. Obviously, the poutine is phenomenal. Uh, but, I'll eat some of that. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, fun, a fun time next Saturday, regardless of what happens. You know, if, if and if it really comes down to like that's the game Montreal needs to win to make it into the playoffs. Wow! Can you ask for anything better uh, against Toronto? Come on, this is <laughs> and that's all. I don't care. Like hockey gods, make it happen. Make yeah. it happen. You know. So, yeah. but but yeah. Uh, so uh, some other piece of news uh, because it's been a while since we last recorded. Uh, earlier this month, Carey Price uh, oh. had a milestone. Yes. Kevin, uh, what happened there? Exactly. So Price gets his three hundred and fifteenth victory in the Blue Blanc et Rouge. Uh, passing Jacques Plante for the uh, most wins in uh, Montreal franchise history. Very impressive. Uh, and, and, you know, you kind of think that this is the first year of Price's eight-year contract. Yeah. And he seems on his game. He's, I mean, minus, I mean, even the game yesterday against Columbus, I'm not faulting him, mm. uh, you know, for, for the goals against. Uh, prior to that game, he's been looking lights out hockey. He's, he's he, had a great season overall. If you, if you look at his numbers uh, throughout the, the course of the year, he's he's been... Uh, he, he, he his numbers are well deserved. I, I think he's he's really turned a corner. Last year, uh, of course, uh, wasn't his year. Yeah, yeah it just it just didn't look good. I think a lot of people wrote him off. They thought, oh no, Price is uh, Price he's is done. done. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, he's he's not. He's obviously a world class goalie. Yeah, uh, you can never count a guy like that out. So it's nice to see him rebound there. Exactly, exactly. So and you know who knows how many more records he's going to be or even set. I believe he's three away from the all time shutout. Uh, all-time shutout wins on, on the French and in Montreal as well. So, uh, you know, hey, he, even by the end of the season, he probably beat another record if he gets shutouts in the next three games. Yeah, but I'm actually I'm pretty shocked that it that Price passed Plant for the most wins in Montreal history so early in his career. Uh, like, is he 30 yet? How old uh, is Price? I believe he's 31. 31. 31? So yeah. like he's. He's probably got. I mean, he's he's got the eight-year contract. So assuming he plays that out, uh, he could get a lot more wins here. And, and I'm just surprised that there hasn't been another guy, considering the the, the uh, legacy of Montreal. legacy of Montreal. They've yep. been around for a hundred years plus. Uh, they haven't had a goalie that's uh, that's gotten more wins than that. But uh, yeah, it's it's shocking. It, it, it's, Montreal's not the only team. I know uh, uh, Toronto's had like records broken in the last year too, where. Uh, 
like Austin Matthews is breaking the hundred year old Leafs records. And it's like, really? Like there hasn't been a guy that good. And it's true though. Like it's honestly true. Like I, I don't think I can think of another player that has impacted the Leafs as much as Matthews has uh, in the modern era. Like you have to go back to Keon and even still, like, wow. it, it really says a lot about how shitty the Leafs teams have been <laughs> for the last 40 years. Like not taking any way, anything away from Matthews because he's an exceptional player, but uh, we just have not had the talent. Like you, when your greatest heroes are guys that uh, flame out in like the third round of the playoffs, that says that says a lot. And, and this is this is coming from someone that, that worships Doug Gilmore and Wendell Clark and all those guys. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna make reference to the Muskoka Six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's been a frustrating ride to say the least, but. Uh, uh, and it's not over yet. It's never over. It never is. It never is. You know. It, you know. Let's actually shift gears towards the Leafs. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. 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 Definitely. So this is a this is a good segue. Uh, the Leafs, uh, as I'm sure many listeners are aware, uh, are are not uh, powering their way into the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, as much as I would like, uh, they are uh, they are definitely struggling. But I think it's it's not without uh, good reason. Uh, of course. Uh, as many of you know, uh, they've had some injury troubles lately. They're without Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott, who are arguably two of their three best defensemen. Uh, in fact, I don't even think you can make an argument. They, they really are. Uh, like Morgan Riley, those two guys. Jake Muzzin. Muzzin is good. He's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, but besides that, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, you're losing two of your top four defensemen. That's going to hurt any team. Any team is going to yeah, feel that, right? Sure. So, so that, that's been tough for them. Uh, but even notwithstanding that... They just haven't looked great on uh, many facets of the game. They, they've, they've gone several games where a lot of their top uh, forwards have struggled to score. Uh, they've gone many games where uh, Freddie Anderson has struggled to stop the puck. And uh, they just haven't looked like the team that they should be based on the talent that's on the roster. I think that's my biggest problem with the team. Uh, I think that's a, a lot of people's problem right now is that uh, we're placing a lot of blame on the coaching now. And this is the first time, really, that Babcock is starting to feel the heat. Yeah. Uh, and Which, I think it's justified because you, you see what he's doing in terms of usage. Uh, he's trotting out the same lineup time after time after time. He's not making changes. He's not adapting. Uh, it's like uh, the definition of insanity. Like, it's not working. Why do you keep trying the same thing over and over and over again? He, he reminds me a little bit in terms of how he's coaching right now with, you know, with what you said of using the same lineups. Of uh, Michel Terrier. Oh, uh, God, don't. <laughs> I mean, Babcock like, is a way better coach than Terrier, but at the same time, it reminds me of what he was doing with Montreal at yeah. that time, you know? So it, it just seems a little bit short sighted. But, uh, you know, to me, it, it, it brings up uh, the way I kind of see it is I, I think people are, are putting a little bit too much blame on Babcock. And I, I, I understand, like, to me, I'm not a big fan of lineup matching, which. It's Babcock is notorious for you know he likes to match those lines and it's like stop matching start playing your better players more give them more ice because these guys are going to win you in the game but you know again like like you touched upon is injuries are taking a bit of a toll on the team um, I also think that the expectation of everybody regardless if it's the media or the public you know like or you know the fan base Toronto really took a huge step ahead obviously. Landing Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner has been great. You know, Willie Nylander's having an off year this year, uh, but the team really beat expectations that first year of you know what what they thought the team was going to be last year too. Great, yep. and now they've almost plateaued a little bit. And you know, you, you know, you can't expect 
your team to progress, you know, to, 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 to that extent all the time. There's going to be those times of the year where, you know, they're going to seem a little bit slow. They're going to seem off. They're not going to be playing at their best. But and this is where I think, you know, fans and the media need to take a step back and stop being, well, it's the coach. He's not doing a good job. Or yeah. it's, and it's like, it's, it's Mike Babcock. Relax. He knows what he's doing. But it's like, think about it for a second. And the, like I said, the team really, to me, beat expectations the last couple of years. And now it almost seems like they're hitting that bit of a wall where they're not progressing as people have thought. You know, like, well, yeah. they, should be, they should be up where Tampa is right now. But look how long it took Tampa to get there. They took them years to build the team that they have. Absolutely, like it's not like Stamkos and Hedman and all those guys are, are 20, 21 years old like uh, like Matthews and Marner are with the Leafs. These are these are guys that are in their primes now. They're in their late twenties. They've they've paid their dues in the league. They've taken their time to get to where they are. Stamkos, of course, has been great for a long time, but their supporting cast is, right. is so good. Uh, Hedman has taken a few years to get. Uh, like the first couple of years, he wasn't what he is now. Like he he is an excellent probably top five defensemen in the yeah. league. And that's like any defenseman, right? They always take longer to develop. Yeah. So. Look at Morgan Riley this year. Yeah. Uh, cracked 70 points for the first time in his career. Uh, he's a, He has proven that he is an elite defenseman. Uh, this is the first year that he's really shown that. I think in the past, you've seen flashes. He's been very, very good offensively, not so great defensively. Exactly. Uh, but this is the most consistent. This year he's, ta- he's, taken, he's taken great, great steps to, to become that sort of next level of player. It's exactly. Gotten much more consistent. Yeah, but yeah. but but going back to your point, I, th- I think it's a, a totally fair uh, argument is that we can't expect that the team is going to make these incremental strides every single year. That just doesn't happen. It, it, hockey is random. There are so many different things that can happen. Uh, you could your team could be hit with uh, injuries to five or six of your top guys, and then you lose uh, like four hundred man games uh, lost to injury, like uh, like Arizona and Anaheim did this year, and it could totally derail your seasons. You could have uh, a goalie uh, play out of his mind, and then it bumps you up by ten points. Like these things happen, you just really can't predict it. Uh, and it, it's unfortunate that we've got Tampa Bay right now having a historic year uh, as a comparable. People are looking at Tampa and they're thinking, "Why not us? Yeah. Why aren't the Leafs as good as Tampa?" Well, I mean, we just we just we talked about that. It there's, takes time. Exactly. There's there's so many things yeah. uh, that have to go right for you to get to that point. And even still, Tampa is. Arguably one of the top three teams in of all time, uh, in terms of their regular season record. So it's 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 unfortunate that uh, it happens to coincide with the time that the Leafs are really good. Boston is really good too. Uh, you've got your work cut out for you. It's not going to be easy. And speaking of Boston, so inevitable first round matchup. Oh boy, <laughs> here we go again. So. <laughs> 2013, which I can't remember what happened. Uh, Do you want me to remind no. you? <laughs> Are you sure? Last year, uh, once again, go, goes a long, long playoff uh, series. So it's not like the Leafs can't compete with Boston, but I think Boston has gotten in their heads. Yeah, uh, their their top line is arguably the best line in hockey, and the Leafs have not found a way to shut them down. Pasternak, Bergeron, uh, and Marchand. Well, you, you know it's not just the Leafs. It's any team in the NHL. Yeah, it's not a yeah. way to shut them down. Totally fair. Whoever faces that line, they're going to have huge problems. If it was Tampa, they would have huge problems against that line. Uh, but the challenge is that the Leafs need to need to overcome that somehow. They, they need to at least minimize their chances and, and make it so that they're not losing games 6-2, to 7-2, to two, whatever it ends up being. 
and actually make a series of it because they do have the talent. They honestly do have the talent. I, I believe that they can beat Boston in a seven-game series. I think so. Is yeah. it going to happen this year? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't look good. They're not the, they're not the favorite team, uh, especially with the way they've played lately. Uh, but that's another argument, uh, and that's another point of discussion is uh, how much stock do you put in a team in the last ten games of the regular season? Do you think it carries over? Uh more often than not, I think it does. Yeah, I you, don't know about you, Kev, but I, I think it does. No, I, I think so, too, because to me, you don't want to be limping into the playoffs coming in on a losing streak. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it does put – the, it changes the attitude in the room, for sure. Right? And so to walk into the playoffs after you've lost, you know, five out of seven or whatever the case might be, you're not feeling good. And then you think, shit, we're playing Boston now. Okay, here we go. You know, like, how that affects players. So you want to come in there on a high note like anybody. But, you know, like – you know, Mike, my, my, one of the things I really see with the Leafs' struggles recently is, you know, like, Anderson hasn't really been as sharp as he's been at the start of the season. Yeah. Now, um, as I've, my, got, I've got some stats on Anderson if uh, if you want to hear what he's done lately. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's uh, hear those stats. <laughs> so, in the month of, in the March, in the month, month of March, March, March. <laughs> uh, in the month of March, Anderson has played 11 games. Uh, his save percentage is 890. Very pedestrian-like. Uh, that is replacement-level goaltending, if, if, if even that. <laughs> I, I say it's even worse than yeah, replacement-level It's level bad. There, there's no question about it. It's, it's very bad. So they've, they got blown out by Tampa earlier this month, 6-2. Uh, they lost to Chicago. They were down 5-0 at one point. They came back to make it interesting, but they still lost 5-4. Uh, they lost to Philly most recently this uh, this week in a shootout, five to four. Like they're letting in four, five, six goals every game. Yeah. It's, it's just not good. It's Even when they win, they they beat Florida seven to five. Yeah, uh, it's not a recipe for long term success. Those are the types of teams that tend to struggle if yeah. they if they do make the playoffs. Exactly. Uh, so, and so these are the, the things that they need to correct. Right. And you know one of the things that you know let's kind of just switch gears back to you know something that Montreal did recently. Now, a few weeks ago, um, obviously, Carey Price is the backbone of the Habs. Freddie Anderson, obviously, is the number one starter in, in Toronto. Yeah. And Montreal was smart in the sense that they actually called up their minor league goaltender to... He's, he's not playing, because I never thought, like, oh, is, is, was Price injured? Is <laughs> Anthony Emmy? Is he going off? Like, is it Lind- Lindgren that they called up? Uh, uh, yeah, they called up Lindgren. Yeah, right. But it, it wasn't as to play as Price's backup. It was to give Carey Price practices off. And especially at this point in the season, and for a goaltender, you know, I saw this as a very smart move. Just because if you can rest your number one starter where he doesn't need to practice day, like, you know, the day after a game or whatever the case is, because, again, he knows what he's doing out there. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to make a save. Like, to me, obviously, the practices are better for the forwards, learning how to run a new play, learning how to make the, like, running a different scenario on the power play, whatever the case might be. But for a goaltender, you're now giving Price extra time, rest. And to me, this is exactly what Anderson needs. And I'm kind of surprised that the Leafs, like, to me, this seems like a smart move that every team should do, especially if you have a guy that's a workhorse, like Freddie Anderson, like Carey Price. These guys are going to need some some downtime in order to maintain their level of play. So to have, you know, to, you know, to make these guys, to, you know, give them the option of, hey, you don't have to practice, by all means, rest. We need you down the long run. Yeah, and it's not just practice. I think that the Leafs have been notorious for overworking Freddie Anderson in, in the time that he's been here. Uh, this is this is a goalie that has led the league in games played in shots against uh, f- for a while now, and it's that's got to take a toll on people. That's got to take a toll on Anderson. Uh, I think that once you know that you're in the playoffs and you're pretty safe, uh, 
there's why not rest your players? Why not even rest them before that? Uh, why not give him instead of giving him 65, 70 games played to a season, give him 55. Get a uh, give more games to Sparks or find somebody else. If Sparks can't do it, find another capable backup goaltender that can take 25, 30 games. It just seems to make sense to me. Like I don't think you should be burning out your starting goaltender. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a problem. You saw what happened last year in the playoffs against Boston. Anderson was not sharp at all. He laid an egg uh, in uh, in multiple games, uh, and it's not just just on him, but it's it's definitely a little bit on the coaching staff too for for making those roster decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think you do need to look at. Uh, Look at what other teams are doing. Uh, look at how successful New York Islanders, uh, the Islanders have been this year uh, with their tandem uh, with Lehner and, uh, and Thomas Grice. Uh, and they're not the only team that seems to be gravitating towards that two-goalie mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think gone are the days of, uh, of guys like uh, Mickey Kiprasov uh, carrying your team and, and starting 70, 75 games. Roberto Luongo used to do this too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not. Um, it's, it's not feasible in the long run. Yeah, right? it's not realistic yeah. anymore. Like, there's there's too much risk of of injury and other things that come up. Uh, why not uh, give them a bit a bit more of a rest? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so something else that's, that that was quite interesting. Uh, of course, uh, I, I believe the last time we recorded an episode, uh, John Tavares was returning to uh, Long Island for the first time since signing with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, uh, wow, what a game that was! What a reception! <laughs> what a reception! Uh, talk about your all-time warmest receptions <laughs> for a returning player. Uh, so the, the Islanders were—I have to give them credit. Uh, the organization was classy in that they they did uh, do a tribute video to Tavares. Uh, and of course, the fans reacted uh, as uh, everyone expected, uh, with uh, cheers all around. Traders, <laughs> yeah. every name you could possibly think of, he was being called. Yeah, it, it was the most uh, intense reaction I think I've ever seen uh, in an NHL game uh, to an opposing player. That uh, I almost feared for his safety a little bit. <laughs> uh, they did throw things at him. I think they threw a jersey at him at one but point. But he was walking off the ice. Yeah. And that, that jersey was thrown with, like, some, so, you know, with... Velocity. Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that jersey was really chucked at him really hard. Yeah. But it missed still him. missed. Still it missed. Still missed him, but yeah. still. Like, I'm sure he saw it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that was uh, about what you would expect, I think, based on the, the, the sort of uh, discourse that we've seen over the course of the last year on, online and what people have been saying about Tavares that uh, ridiculous fan video that was put out a few days before uh, the game. Uh, that was ridiculous. Uh, so it, it's funny because uh, the Leafs are playing the Islanders once more. So on Monday, April 1st, they're, they're going back to Long Island. Are they really? Uh, yeah, so they've got one more game there. I am going to be watching that yeah, game for it, sure. It's, it's must-see must viewing. And, and this is – we talked about this uh, earlier, I think, before we started rolling. Uh, but uh, – and we'll get to this later, but but basically, um, if the Leafs were um, were in a one versus eight playoff scenario, they'd be playing the Islanders in the playoffs in the first round right now because they're seeded fourth and fifth. Wouldn't that be a series? That would be that something. would be incredible. Oh man, could you imagine the amount of games? Just every game in the island, the amount of booze every time the Leafs would touch or John Tavares would touch the puck. You yeah. Know, oh would, yeah. It would be something. You'd hear it. Yeah. So. That's, uh, you know what, I think that's a good segue because the next piece that we want to talk about is uh, a little piece I like to call NHL Rule Changes We'd Like to See, Kevin and Mike. <laughs> so Johnny Brooken. Let's talk about that. Uh, obviously, the, the first and foremost thing on, on anybody's mind, especially if you're a Leafs fan or even a Boston fan, uh, is the playoff format. Uh, right now, 
the NHL has created this rivalries format where you're uh, most likely to be playing people, you're going to be playing people within your own division in the first round if you're in those two and three seeds. Uh, it, it's just the way that they've uh, designed it. Their, their thinking is that this creates and generates uh, rivalries between these teams. They, they want to bring up that intensity level. They, the NHL wants to see, uh, they want to see like back in the day uh, in the early 2000s, the Leafs in Ottawa had those rivalries. Uh, Boston, Montreal had those rivalries. Uh, those are always great for television. It's, it's great viewing. Uh, uh, I, I love it. I, I love the rivalry aspect of it, but at the same time, Fuck off. <laughs> just fuck off. I don't want to play Boston every time. Can we not just go to one versus eight? It's really not that bad. In fact, it's better. Because it's based on merit. Yes. It's, it's If you finish first, you're going to get the worst place team. I think you've earned it. Exactly. If you, if you finish second, you're going to get the seventh place team. You've earned that. Yeah. Third, six. That just makes sense to me. Why do we have to... Why do we have to play two of the best teams in the entire conference against each other in the first round? I want to see that in the third round. Yes, exactly. I don't want to see that in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, there's really, I think you and I are on the same side here. There's not a lot of back and forth. We can't really argue this. Yeah, no, uh, in, in full, full agreement here. Go back to the one versus eight format. It, yeah. it still makes for exciting hockey. I mean, regardless, it's still going to be good. It's still going to be exciting. Just go back to it. That's it. That's exactly. really what it comes down to. And the good news here, uh, the good news here is that the 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 way that this is currently set up, I believe, the, they're going to do it for another year. But sources are saying, I believe Chris Johnson reported today that the NHL is looking to go uh, indeed go back to this one versus eight format starting in 2021. So let's hope that's the case, uh, because I, I'm just sick of this current format. It, it's got to go, uh, and that would be that would be a welcome change. So we'll see what they do. Uh, another thing that we'd like to see is uh, let's talk about the coaches' challenge. Mm, yes. So, uh, a couple of things have happened uh, this this past month. We've seen a lot more in what looks to be possibly intentional net dislodgements in games. It happened in the Chicago Toronto game uh, against um, uh, the Leafs when they were they were coming up and they could have uh, possibly got that fifth goal. You know what? You know where what other game it also happened in is Toronto Montreal. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Anderson. To me, not been enough a couple times yeah. when Montreal was threatening. So I would be like, "What the hell are you doing? You're trying to take away the momentum. You're trying to slow the game down." I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of that at all because I'm just like, to me, they looked intentional. I mean, yeah. Again, it is what it is. Whatever happened, happened. But you know, like, like it, this to me needs. I think it really does need to be reviewed a little bit more. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things that they could do here. One would be you give them a coach's challenge, or you give them. Either an automatic penalty if if uh, the goalie looks like they've intentionally dislodged the net, or you can give them a goal. You yep. can just say no, Grab that's goal. a goal, yep. like uh, like pen, uh, breakaways, and then you you yep. hook somebody or something yep. like that. Uh, I think my personal preference would be that they go for an automatic penalty situation. Uh, it, it just seems to be the most logical thing. Uh, they could do a replay. Uh, they could uh, they could call it on the ice. Whatever they want to do. Uh, it just seems like it's happening more often than it should. Maybe another thing they could do is they could actually tighten the nets, tighten the moorings, because yeah. why are they coming off so easily in the first place? But at the same time, then, if you have an instance where a player runs into the net and it doesn't come off the moorings... True. Then there's injury risk. Injury risk, yeah. right? So, so. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so another real change that we talked about is uh, how about just eliminating the blue lines? Let's, well, let's think big here. 
do we really need offsides in this day and age? Uh, there seems to be a lot of bullshit, uh, questionable offside calls that have been happening. Uh, or you'll call a goal back because it, it's, it's determined that a player's skate is two inches offside. Does that really matter? Is that really going to change uh, the, the play? Uh, well, yes, he was under offside. The current, <laughs> under the current rules, it does, but should it? I think that's the argument. I don't think it should. I think it would speed up the pace of the game, and you'd see more uh, more scoring opportunities. I think it would open the game up. It would make it a bit more fun. Oh, for sure. And can you imagine just some guy cherry-picking at the red line? Or, <laughs> and, you know, just be like waiting for that. Phil out- Kessel. Oh, yes. Just, just standing there waiting for the puck to come to him, eating a hot dog on the ice. <laughs> Classic Kessel. Classic Kessel. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about uh, some other things that are happening in and around the league. Uh, one thing that I thought was, uh, was a great move that the NHL announced recently is that they're going to be scheduling the draft lottery uh, a little bit earlier this year. It's, it's going to be on April 9th, which is the night before the playoffs is set to begin. I really like this move. I think this is great for the league. Uh, good for the teams, too, that are obviously going to be involved in it. Uh, to me, it gives them a little bit more time to obviously think of I mean, I'm sure at this point... You know, they, they've all done their homework. They know... Capo Caco! <laughs> First overall, or is it going to be Hughes? Who is it? But it's, uh, you know, it will be interesting. You know, again, it gives teams that much more time to decide, do you do you, do you want to keep the pick? Do you want to yeah. trade it? And, and at least it also t- takes, you know, that waiting, t- that waiting gap of, is my team going to win it? Are they going to lose it? Like, how long do I have to wait to, to find out? At least you know, right start of the playoffs... You know, your team's eliminated, at least you have something, hey, okay, now at least I can start thinking about who's who's the guy that we're going to pick, right? So, I, again, I really like this move. I think it's the right thing for them to do. Um, and so, hats off, NHL. Yeah. You, actually, you got something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so, elsewhere around the league, uh, so, some interesting storylines. As, as we're approaching, you know, game 78-79 for most teams, it's, it's the end of the season, uh, Tampa Bay, of course, we've talked about them. They're running away with things, and, and hats off to uh, to Kucherov because, wow, he's, he's, he's having a year. Uh, as it stands right now, as of this recording, he has 121 points in 77 games. Uh, he's beating McDavid. He is that good uh, this year, at least, and it, it is full credit to his abilities. Uh, the team he's got, of course, uh, is factoring in here. I think if, if you put McDavid on Tampa Bay, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure he'd put up 190 <laughs> points. Uh, but uh, you really can't uh, you can't take anything away from from the exceptional player that Kucherov is. And this is this has been I think his his true coming out party. Uh, a couple years ago, he I think everyone realized he was a, a special player. Now you're seeing that oh, he's actually probably top three in the league, if not the best, uh, right up there with McDavid and Crosby, in my opinion. Uh, and McDavid, speaking of which, uh, second point, second place right now in the scoring uh, with 114 points in just 73 games because I think he missed a couple for a suspension. Uh, so he's, he's also had uh, a career year there. That's, that is his best performance. Uh, and it's not just him uh, talking about the Oilers as well. We've got uh, his uh, German compatriot, Leon uh, Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl. Uh, who, uh, <laughs> who has really done wonders for my fantasy team, so thank you, Leon. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he broke the 100-point barrier for the first yeah. time in his career. Yeah. You uh, know, it, it was funny because a lot of people were not necessarily writing him off, but starting to pick at him a little bit, being like, yeah. he's only good because he's playing with McDavid. He's only good, and he's proven that he can be, uh, you know, he's taking that criticism very well. But he's also shown that he can help drive the play. You yeah, know, he yeah. doesn't necessarily. It, obviously, the McDavid factor does factor in 
too important. But it's it's not just because of McDavid. Absolutely. You know? I think this, this season he's proven that he can drive play on his own. Uh, he is an exceptional player. He's closing in on 50 goals. He might actually get the Rocket Richard uh, this year. He's two goals behind Ovechkin right now. And so that's, uh, that's very impressive. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to get that many goals this year. Uh, but he, he's a player, and I, I think he's proving that his $8.5 million contract uh, is well-earned. If anything, it's a bit of a bargain. Yeah, well... Uh, when, he, you, when you look at what he's putting up right now. For sure, but I mean, probably the best, best bargain is Nikita Kucherov at $5.55 million. That was ridiculous. Right, like, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Tampa Bay, and I'm just going to be able to get away with everything in terms of contracts. And uh, Braden Point's going to sign an uh, eight-year deal for $4.5 million a season because we're Tampa Bay and uh, fuck the rest of the league. But, <laughs> but you know, again, you, what's, what's interesting about Tampa and their situation is, again, a lot of great players up and down the lineup. But... To me, these are the players that are taking team-friendly deals. Yeah, that's what it is. These are team-friendly deals in order to keep the team competitive. Yeah, right? and it's it's so frustrating for me because it seems like the Leafs always get shafted in this in this regard. Uh, Matthews certainly didn't take a team-friendly deal. Tavares uh, didn't take a team-friendly not deal. Not really. Uh, Nealander, Marner, no, Nealander really didn't. Nealander Mar- didn't Marner's probably going to get ten million. Yeah. Uh, it just goes to show you that all the players in Toronto are just greedy, <laughs> greedy assholes. Yeah. So I think part of it is that uh, Tampa has, uh, they've got Florida State taxes working in their favor. Right. Uh, so the money goes a bit further there. Uh, but, but still. But still, yeah. There, there, is, uh, there is something to be said for the persuasiveness of management to convince their players to take less. And it's really, I don't blame the players in Toronto for, for taking as much as they can. That's... That is 100% their right as players uh, to get the best, to negotiate the best contract possible and their agents. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't fault them for that. You just, as a fan of the team, you want to see your team uh, be uh, as uh, as cheap as possible in terms of the contracts. And it it sucks that we're talking about this, but that's the that's the reality of a salary cap league. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about contracts. Uh, It really shouldn't be a problem. It it shouldn't be a thing at all. Uh, And if if we, if we could go back to a pre-cap era right now with the players we have, I'd be all for it as a Leafs fan. Uh, but uh, it just wouldn't uh, it wouldn't work for 80% of the teams in the league because they just don't have that kind of purchasing power that the Leafs do. Uh, so it, it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the league. Not that the Leafs ever won any Stanley Cups when the salary cap uh, wasn't a thing uh, since 1967. Thank you very much, Harold Ballard, you asshole. But... <laughs> I'm feisty today. Huh? I'm really, uh, I'm really agitated. Really on edge. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Want to go get into a fight afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll the cops. Gonna kill Gores. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think, uh, long story short, uh, just, just talking about that, uh, it's the reality of where we are in a salary cap league, and and you just have to accept that not every team is going to be able to to pull a rabbit out of their hat like Tampa has. Uh, and I think really it just comes down to jealousy. Tampa has got such an amazing <laughs> roster. They've basically done everything right. Uh, and uh, why can't they be in the Western Conference? Like, why don't we have to deal with that? It's just not fair. Let's just move. Let's just switch Florida and California. Yeah. Let's do states. Let's why are they in the? Why are they in our division? That's stupid. They're they're so far down south. They should be in like play them in Washington's division or Pittsburgh's division. That is true. Like, they're geographically closer. That, that, that is true, but then would you want to have Pittsburgh and Washington in your division? Yeah, I'd prefer okay. them over I'd prefer them over Tampa. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I guess you kinda of look at it with respect to, you know, Florida being Florida and it's like Canada Canada's 
you know, bastard province, right? With the amount of Canadians that go down Exactly, there. all the snowbirds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah so there is, uh, I'm sure that there's obviously some strategy behind the way that they've done it. Anyway, we're, we're, getting, uh, we're getting off here yeah. a little bit, but... Uh, you know, just kind of, <laughs> even though we are a little bit off topic here yeah. right now, it, it, it does bring up, to me, it brings up the instance or it makes me wonder about, um, obviously now with Dubas as the, uh, as the GM full-time, yeah. uh, if Lou was still around, I really wonder if the whole, you know, the Willie Nylander situation with the contracts and now upcoming with Marner and, you know, Matthew signing his We would have had him capped. You know, (laughs) you sign this $5 million deal or you're going to Sweden. (laughs) You're not playing in the NHL ever. But Lou is the type of guy that can probably do that. That's the thing where you even like again, it's. Yeah, I I heard that and I think there may be, there might be something to that, but I, I don't. I don't think Lou was as skilled a negotiator as, as his reputation proceeds. I mean, this well, is the same guy that signed. Well, to be a very skilled negotiator, yeah, if you ask me, right? So. I think he's done okay. I think I honestly think Dubas has done okay. Uh, Nylander, or sorry, Lamorella was the guy that signed Nikita Zaitsev to a seven-year, $4.5 million deal. So let's not give him full marks. Well, but again, like at four, I mean, obviously Zaitsev has not panned out to, you know, what, what people expected him to yeah. be. But at the same time, with the cap going up, four and a half million dollars, it begins to take you know weight less and less and less of your overall cap space. Yep. So you know, at the grand scheme of things, you know, like, you know, like it's it's almost like the call Carl Osner of the Leafs. He's not as bad as Carl Osner, who's real, what I find really amusing is obviously he was sent down to the AHL, but he's also being healthy. Yeah. He's been a healthy scratch even on the AHL team, which I again is a little bit funny. But you know, it's it, it almost seems like. It, that's what it is. So obviously Lou is kind of edging towards the future, signing him longer term, but lower dollar value. So I think he, he was banking on him becoming the next Roman Yossi or something like that, where you you, uh, you bet on the player, you sign him long term for a cheaper contract, uh, and you just hope that he, he grows to become the player that you think he is. Uh, and the first year he looked okay. Like he, he looked decent. And then since then, uh, he's regressed pretty hard. He, he just hasn't been the same type of player. I, it's only really been the last, honestly, the last like five or ten games. I think Zaitsev has been pretty decent. Uh, so hopefully he can rebound. Uh, otherwise, I think he might be on the trading block as soon as this summer. Uh, I think that uh, Dubas might be looking to move him out. Uh, they obviously need to make room for uh, a, a number of players, uh, including Marner, to be signed, Kapanen and Janssen. Uh, so th- they've got to make a move uh, for sure, and it, it, might do, it, it might just be him. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, so a couple of things going on around the league. Uh, Oilers, of course, are still searching for a new GM, interim GM Keith Gretzky. Still in the running. It, it could be him. Uh, I don't think they're going to announce anything in season. It's, it's going to happen probably, though, um, uh, I would hope before the draft. You would like to see a new GM in place there uh, if you're a fan of the Oilers. Uh, but let's talk about Keith Gretzky a bit because, uh, of course, your first, first reaction when you think, oh, yeah, uh, a Gretzky has been named interim GM of the Oilers right after the fact, right after they started talking about how uh, they're going to move away from that like old boys club mentality and just uh, hiring the same guys that have just played on the team 20 or 30 years ago. Oh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hire the, the brother of uh, the greatest player in NHL history that just happened to win uh, five or six cups with the Oilers. Uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe uh, we're being a little too harsh on Keith here because... Uh, he was the head scout of Boston when they picked Pasternak, for example. So it's uh, it's not like uh, he doesn't know how to identify talent. Uh, so he's got that going for him. McAvoy, Car- uh, Carlo as well he picked. Uh, he was with the Coyotes when they picked Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Uh, 
so he does have he does uh, have an eye for talent. He does have an eye there. So honestly, I. I'd, uh, I'd give him a shot. I'd, I'd like, like to see what he can do over the course of a full season or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't be any worse than Chiarelli. It, it just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of teams that are looking for uh, new management, we've also got Ottawa, of course, that's looking for a new coach uh, after they fired uh, Bond villain uh, Guy Boucher. Boucher. <laughs> <laughs> Scar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Crawford is uh, currently their interim coach, which I thought was an interesting hire. Uh, I think he's he's definitely one of those old school guys. Uh, he's very similar to a Babcock uh, or a, um, uh, a, a, a Quenville, or one of those types of guys that's just been around for a long time. His his reputation precedes him. Uh, he's probably in the running as well, but I think they'll they might look to go uh, uh, maybe somebody younger, maybe somebody that's got a, a track record at the AHL level. Uh, who knows? I mean, it's a team that's not going to be doing anything for the next few years, you know. Yeah, why not, why not go with the younger coach that can grow with the team and yeah. uh, introduce some new ideas, uh, younger younger players to coach as well. Uh, your Brady Kachucks, your Thomas Shabbats. Uh, I think that would be that would be a good move for them. Hmm. Uh, a couple of the things that have been going on as well. So uh, out of Detroit, who uh, of course has not been having a good year. Uh, one bright spot, though, of course, is Dylan Larkin, who, uh, believe it or not, is the first uh, Red Wing to score 30 goals in a year uh, in 10 years since Zetterberg, uh, Datsuk, and Hosa did it in that, 2009. That's a pretty surprising stat. Yeah. I, I did not expect that, just because either. Detroit had been consistently good for so many years. Yeah. You know, over, even over the last 10 years, they were just a good team. Still making the playoffs, for yeah, sure, every year. Exactly. But I guess, you know, it, it kind of goes to show you a little bit of how having a balanced team can really keep you keep you competitive right it keeps you in the playoffs every single year again and again what it comes down to make the playoffs anything can happen yeah. so yeah for sure uh, let's talk about the Buffalo Sabres oh boy <laughs> <laughs> remember when they were good yeah yeah <laughs> for were, about a month they were, they were first place in the league uh, in November uh, when hockey doesn't matter they, they were, yeah exactly they, they rattled off uh, what was it 10, 10 straight wins or 10 something straight like wins that? in a row yep uh, since then uh, they have a record that has been worse than Ottawa's oh boy. Uh, they are now uh, one regulation win in the past 21 games ouch I, I, I know hockey is a game of small sample sizes that get added up to, to create bigger patterns but this just seems crazy to me how a, a team can go from worst to first uh, and they're not the only team. I think you, you can look at it from the opposite end of the spectrum. St. Louis is a classic example yeah. where they were last in the Western Conference up until uh, early January. And then it's like a, they flipped a switch. Uh, Bennington came in, starts rattling off a bunch of wins. Now they're one of the best teams in the league. Uh, it, it's crazy to me how that can happen, but mm-hmm. it, it, it happens uh, more often than it doesn't. And that's that's the great thing about hockey. It is. It's one of the great things uh, about following this game. Uh, you just get these unpredictable swings. Amazing thing happen. Amazing things happen throughout the course of the year. Uh, that's why we love it for sure. Uh, Arizona, another team that's had a remarkable second half. Uh, they had uh, the second most man games lost due to injury this season. I believe they've um, uh, they've had over four hundred man games lost or something crazy like that. And despite the fact that they've lost guys like their starting goaltender and Anti Ranta. Uh, Stepan, they've lost for most of the year. Christian Dvorak was out for the entire year. Uh, they made that trade with Chicago to bring in Nick Schmaltz. Yep. He's gone got, for the rest of the year. He got injured, yeah. Uh, 
Demers, Grabner, like the list goes on. Uh, Chick Grin, Vinny uh, Hinestroza, who I, uh, I like to call uh, Vinny Minestrone, <laughs> uh, who's, who's been very good for them uh, since he's been back. Uh, they've all been out long-term uh, with injuries this year, and despite all that, they are still in the playoff hunt. They are, I believe, right now two points behind uh, for eighth place. So remarkable that they've done as well as they have. Uh, I've, I'm really impressed with their resiliency, their ability to bounce back. Uh, I hope they make it. I honestly do. I, I want to see them in the playoffs. Me too. You know, it's like one of those teams where you just kind of want to cheer for them, just yeah. to be like, "Hey, finally!" Yeah, you know, exactly. things are starting to finally go in the right direction for you yeah. for this organization. So yeah, they deserve it after after so many uh, so many years out of the playoffs. They haven't got any first overall picks like Edmonton has. They they don't have that level of expectation, but they do have a lot of young talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like they're they're starting to uh, they're they're starting to be due. I think. Uh, they're a team that should be on the rise, and, and you want to see them do well. For sure. And in, and in five years, when Austin Matthews decides to pull a John Harris <laughs> and go sign in Arizona, hey. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see about yeah, that. We'll they'll, see. they'll be a contender then, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they will be. Yeah, most likely. Uh, so speaking of uh, star players leaving uh, their uh, long-term homes to go somewhere else, Drew McGinley uh, jerseys was, uh, was retired recently in Calgary. About time. Yeah. Uh, About time. They did a great ceremony there. Uh, Aginla, one of the all-time greats, uh, love the ceremony. Uh, what more can you say about Aginla in his, in his career? A fantastic player, so happy happy to see them do it right and do it justice. Who doesn't like Iggy? Yeah, you know, like... Iggy, Iggy was great. Uh, Iggy was a great player for sure. Uh, another great that's still in the league is Joe Thornton. Jumbo Joe. Jumbo Joe. Uh, so he recently passed Stan Makita for uh, 14th overall in NHL scoring uh, with his 1,468th point. Uh, I believe 1,466 of those were assists uh, because that's uh, the type of player that uh, Jumbo Joe is. He, he is a passer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very impressive. Uh, very impressive to see him there. And uh, another type of guy that you just can't help but cheer for. Just a, a great player all, all around. Uh, other things to talk about. Uh, there's been some injury woes that have been cra- uh, creeping up on a lot of different teams. Uh, we've got uh, Landeskog has been out for just about a month on Colorado, which basically uh, was a dagger to their playoff chances. Oh, yeah. uh, they're still in it. It's, they're not done yet. Uh, but he is coming back, so uh, they, they, they do have that to look forward to for the last few games of the season. Of course, the Leafs with Gardner and Dermott. Uh, Kapanen as well. Kadri earlier. Uh, Ottawa, not that it really matters to their uh, aspirations this year, but they lost uh, Shabbat for about a month. Uh, these things happen around this time of year. As the teams tighten up, the, the competition gets more fierce. Uh, you start to see players go down with injuries, and uh, you hate to go into the playoffs uh, with a bunch of these guys missing, but uh, it, it does happen. And, and, and fortunately for uh, a lot of teams, they are getting healthier. So the mm-hmm. Leafs are one of them. Uh, Boston is another one with Pastor not coming back. That's huge for their loss. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. as scary as it were, they almost even looked like they didn't really miss a beat with Pasternak. No, they were. I mean, they rattled off so many wins. Right. Uh, <laughs> one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Uh, since the the trade deadline, certainly even without Pasternak, which is incredible, yep. uh, and uh, yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it all it always brings me back to one of my favorite sayings: is that a good good teams can battle through adversity, right? And you know, one of my friends, Steve O, 32, hates it when I mention this, because I always make a joke about the Leafs, you know, and them having to battle through adversity. But yeah. you know, this is really what sets teams apart, right? Like even when key players go down, other guys step up, regardless. And you know, they. You know, ideally, you obviously want your team to be firing on all cylinders the way it is, but, you know, a star player, like, again, but you look at Pasternak going down, 
but it, it was only one player on Boston, right? Like you're still talented enough where you can absorb it. And again, going back to Leafs, when they did lose Kapanen, when they, you know, when you lose, like we said, two of your top four defensemen, that will put a hamper on them. It will, right? But yeah, you know, it's it builds character, it, and, but it also shows you, you know, obviously, like you know, I, I the way I see it is like to me, you know, Toronto does lack defensive depth, and it is just a matter of time before you know the, the their younger prospects that they've drafted are able to step in. Yeah. But uh, Krusty is coming. Krusty <laughs> is coming. <laughs> He certainly is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when Sandine and Lilgren make the team, I, I think you're, you're going to see a, a more rounded team. It, it's going to be uh, that's that's really the the last thing they need. Yeah. is uh, defensive depth, and, and those are the guys. If they can keep uh, your Dermots, your Rileys, Muzzin is signed for one more year. You get those guys up there, and yeah, I mean that's looking pretty good. So yep, then it's up to the coach to to mold them and exactly. Uh, and put the team together the way that we all expect. So. And, and have a team that learns how to play team defense. Yes. Right? Like that, that would be nice. <laughs> that, that to me, like, you, when, when I watch the Leafs games, you know, I, I really, you know, there's certain times, and I'm, I'm not, you know, saying it's every player that doesn't play, you know, every forward that doesn't play defense. Like, yeah. there are people that do do it, but it needs to be something that's bought in by every forward on the team. Yeah, you can't just coast back and, and just let the play develop exactly. around you. You, you, have to, you have to try you, in you your got, own end. I know yeah. it's not fun. Yeah, you you can't always be scoring goals, but you have to... Uh, exactly. That's how good teams win. That, exactly. And it's like, you know, like, like every coach says, you have to play a 200-foot game, and it's true. You need to back-check. You need yeah. to help. you, you got to help out your other players, or your, your other teammates on your team. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I kind of see it as like, wow, this, like, you know, leaves so much talent, but... It, they to me they just still seem lost playing team defense and like I I that's where I kind of have a hard time wrapping my head around where I don't understand what the problem is but you know whether it's coaching whether it's personnel use I don't know or it's or it's players just who don't want to play defense right like and if if it's a player attitude thing well then that's that's a whole different story but you know usually you only hear about those things after a player leaves right so yeah. you know. Fair enough. Yeah, and, and I think on, on that note, I think we'll call it a day for uh, for this episode, but uh, t- tune in next time because, of course, we're going to have a lot to say about the playoffs. We're going to have a lot to say about the draft. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. This is the best time of the year for a hockey fan. It's April. We're getting into the fun part of the season. This is amazing. Uh, I can't wait. I don't know about you, Kev. Uh, oh. It's going to be great. Excited. Excited. And especially next week, Montreal, Toronto, final game of the season. Just what could be better than that? What, what more could you ask for? <laughs> yeah. All right. Until next time, guys. We'll see you then. Have a good one.